0: Welcome to the FRC Digital Podcast. This podcast is part of the FRC Digital Network put out by Fellowship Reformed Church in Hudsonville, Michigan. Just a reminder that with this episode, there'll be a downloadable companion worksheet at frchudsonville.org under Resources. This episode is about the subject of coaching. Of course, coaches play a big part in uh, sports. And I am your regular host, Pastor Tim and joining me is a small panel of coaches. And just as we go around, let me have you introduce yourself
1: and what sport or sports you coach. Yeah, Tom Zielstra here, and I've been coaching um, youth basketball. Marcus Voss and
0: coaching youth soccer.
2: And I'm Lacey Brucevin, and I coach youth volleyball.
1: Okay, so um, how long have each of you been doing what you've been doing? I've been coaching since my son was in third grade, so so I'm going to be uh, starting my fifth year coaching his squad. Okay. I've been coaching on and off for the last 20 years as
3: I ha- exited college. Okay.
2: And I've been coaching for about six.
0: Six. All right. Now, um, I, I've had the same question pretty much for every guest I've had on here. Most of you grew up in church. Would that be fair? Yes. 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 Okay. So um as you grew up in church did you ever hear a sermon or a bible study uh, on the intersection of coaching or perhaps sports when it came to your your theology or your faith you ever hear anything like that
1: coming up through church No nothing comes to my head immediately
2: I'd say I maybe heard of like something related to like sports but nothing in specific like regards to coaching
0: Okay uh, well, one of the things I wanted to point out is is the Bible, particularly in, in Titus 2, tells uh, us to pour our lives into each other. Um, older men supposed to teach younger men, uh, older women, younger women. Uh, Philippians 3, we're told to find the faithful and follow them. Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, so I just want to start, as coaches, do you look over the course of your life, did you have a coach that made a big impact uh, spiritually in your life or just made an impact in your life generally? I. I did. Um, so I had two coaches growing up.
3: One was my high school soccer coach. His name was Todd Kamstra. There was a lot of tragedy that went through uh, my high school experience and uh, specific to the soccer team. And he walked along 18 different guys for two years as we dealt with loss of two different teammates.
2: For mine, I would say it was my college volleyball coach. Um, he was instrumental in just the way he coached and always had a very, like, calm demeanor and never got crazy upset, never yelled. Um, And we had a very successful volleyball season. Um, A lot of it was we had talented players, but just the way in which he interacted with us, he cared about us as individuals, not just as, like, you're here to help my team win, my team be better. Um, Just was a very strong Christian, and it showed in the way he coached.
1: Yeah, for me, I was uh, kind of lucky. Our eighth grade basketball coach ended up coaching our varsity team for two years. So I was able to start a relationship early on and then, you know, kind of stuck with him. And then when he came to coach our, our last, our junior and, and senior year, just the impact that he had on, on all of us and the, the, the small bits of devotions and, you know, word about faith and, and how to live. And even so, now we golf, you know, every year we still kind of keep in touch and it's it's just it's just a relationship that that can last forever, and uh, it's just you know having a great coach like that it's just it just means a lot. Sure,
0: sure. Now, as a coach, um, we get opportunity perhaps to speak into people's lives. Um, so when I, I coached elementary school soccer, um, we had a great first season. Won uh, the first seven games. Uh, We finally lost one, had a player that got really, really upset um, simply because we weren't undefeated anymore. And so I had an opportunity to have a conversation with him about trials and of course, losing a soccer game, that's a small t trial. Um, But the fact that James tells us that uh, if we are ready to learn what God wants us to learn through our trials, they're not going to be wasted. So let me ask you a question. I'll start maybe with you, Lacey. When do you find the opportunity to maybe share that wisdom? Perhaps you're not quoting scripture at them, uh, but you have an opportunity to speak into something going on at a hard point in the season, or perhaps maybe through an injury, or or maybe it's an unexpected time. When do you get the opportunity to do that?
2: So I feel like what I coach is in a unique position, because one of my best friends started this program at the local school, and it's um, a Christian-based program. So we spend 20 minutes of every practice, which is two hours long practice, 15 to 20 minutes of that practice is dedicated to talking about whatever the theme of the year is. And then you break that down into pieces of like what it means to be salt, what it means to be light. And we specifically break that down into different areas of life and what it means to be a follower of Christ and what it means to be a good friend or what it means to do this. And how do we reflect Jesus in that? And so after that little 10 minute spiel we split up into our team and we have like five to 10 minutes to talk a little bit more in depth of like, how has this played out in your life? How have you seen this happen? Or can you give example of how, you know, this specific, you know, trial or impacted you? And so the team has a chance to bond in those five to 10 minutes, every practice, kind of getting more in depth or sharing, you know, different experiences.
3: So I've had two different experiences. I guess one as an assistant coach, as a dad, and then also as a head coach where I'm making all the decisions. Um, as a dad, my role, I feel like on the team, and it's a bunch of 11 and 12 year old boys, uh, which can be interesting characters by themselves. Sure. Um, but we talk a lot about what it means to be a man and what respect looks like and what hard work looks like. And I think there's a lot of truths just in what a, a man's supposed to be and what the Bible tells a man to be. And so that's really where my focus is as a coach right now is how can they be men on the field and not act like little boys. Um, in the past as a head coach, I have always opened the door early and, let, and a, let the parents know that I'm a Christian and those are the beliefs that I have and that I'm not there to force them on them, but I'm hoping that I will show what those characteristics are and I'm gonna fail and I'll apologize because I think it's important for kids to also see that we fail and that we can demonstrate that we can ask for forgiveness from them just as we do to our father
1: yeah for me coaching uh youth basketball you know i kind of stuck with my son since he was in third grade but a lot of what i like to talk about when i mean we don't have cuts and everybody who you know comes out um, makes the you know makes the team but for us you know i kind of emphasize more serving serving our others on the basketball court and, and being humble sharing the basketball we're not one you know, individual trying to win a game. I mean, we're coming at this as a team, and, and a lot of that parallels to just our Christian life and just serving others and being humble as to how we're going about how we compete on the court, how we interact with our opponents, how we interact with the refs, and to what Marcus was saying about the, you know, the 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 time for forgiveness when I kind of get a little bit too wrapped up into the game. There's a time to you know pause and talk about it afterwards, and just and and, and just you know continue to just play the game the right way, play it with a servant's heart, but compete, don't waste a practice. We're here to get better every day and we're not gonna take plays off, we're not gonna take drills off, we're gonna continue to just strive, compete, and get better and serve each other. And by doing that, we can kind of form a really good winning team. Um, And and it's kind of usually how I set our years up or our practices up with with that in mind.
0: Well, you know, um, one of the things uh, as I've done these interviews with, with different athletes, um, we've talked about the difference between hard and soft virtues. So soft virtues being like love and tenderness and, and care, but hard virtues are more on the self-control and the a need for endurance And one of the themes that we've kind of caught on is that, that, uh, sports is a great place to learn those hard virtues. Uh, that, that perhaps as a culture, we're, we're losing our grasp on, uh, it, where we're not seeing them taught fundamentally, but it's, st- it's still there in sports. Cause for example, if you're going to play basketball, you've got to be in shape and there's gotta be a sense of being able to endure through four quarters of a game. Would that be something you, you would say would be true is that, that you have these opportunities to, to share or, or to teach these hard virtues.
3: I believe yes. And I think, you know, it's a, I think the team environment doesn't always just the coach, but you, kids start to lead and you allow kids to lead through those hard virtues and put the expectations on them that as a team, we're going to do this. And so it's not the coach necessarily bossing the players into working hard and finishing strong, but you start to build the community of we're all going to work hard. And the players start to learn to coach the players to say, you've got to keep up with us. Um, Which I think is a great spot where kids get to start to lead kids um, versus just coaches yelling at players to work hard.
0: Sure. Sure. Anything to add?
2: I would say, I mean, very similar, but like for us, we do not like walking in the gym. And so a lot of times when we take a water break, they'll go like walk off the court to like get their water bottles, and then they'll slowly walk on the court to get their water bottles and just be lazy, and so our head coach will yell and be like, if I don't see running, you're all doing push-ups, and so she gives them one warning and the next time it's like, okay, go get water break and kids start walking up to the court, and she's like 10 push-ups, like, just like sort of those, like, you know it might seem minuscule now, but like, hard work pays off in the end like, sure. you gotta hustle sure,
0: so. sure um, you know, um, now uh, as a coach like one of the questions I wanted to ask was how often do you find yourself dealing with off the field issues? So you've got the kids, of course, you want to ask how they can do better at corner kicks or free throws. Uh, But how often do you find yourself dealing with maybe dating or problems at
1: home or other issues? And do you have like any specific examples you could share? I haven't come across that yet. (laughs) I know our high school coach, you know, growing up as far as for, you know, for dating and, and just being involved in the lives of, you know, juniors and seniors, just being a mentor towards that and and just not so much talking to the team as a group, but you can see him talking to, you know, some people that are, you know, some of the teammates that are having, you know, girlfriends talking to on the side or before, you know, practice or after practice and just being involved there and just trying to be a little bit more of a mentor role and you know, how to date and how to, you know, do it right, but yet still be able to be, you know, focused for basketball and all the things sure. that, that need to be focused on there. But uh, I have not fortunately had to deal with that yet. So I would say
3: um, I've had two different experiences. And so one, when I coached a girls team that was older, so I had them for about five years, I didn't talk about dating with any of them just to clarify, but we did deal with loss of parents and we'd lost deal with kids dealing with parents that had cancer or divorce and walking through foreclosures and kids staying on the team. And so a lot of life happens over five years when you have 18 kids from all different walks of life. And so I've had the chance to walk with kids and walk with families um, and get to know them at a different level.
2: Sure. I'm similar to Tom. We change our team every year. So our team is not consistent from year to year. So I may get one or two girls that I had the previous year. But in general, most of my team is like new again the next year. So there's not that camaraderie where you have Eight weeks to really develop, and then the following season you have eight weeks again. And so, for me, with the way our program is established, it's hard to kind of get to the point where you can have some of those conversations, just because you don't you don't get to know them well enough or they feel comfortable. I think.
0: Sure, sure, that makes sense. Just say the one thing that I would add,
3: and I think we probably have all had this experience, is we also coach younger players, and you come across, especially on the boys' side. Can't speak for coaching our girls is more social issues of ADHD or kids that have been adopted that have some of those traumas that come in, that not necessarily walking with them to share faith, but walking with them just to have control of behavior. And I think at those ages, it's more of like, hey, how do we work to control that anger, to control like the lack, the fact that we can't focus? Um, those are probably at the ages of 10, 11, and 12 that we're dealing with, less of like the life stuff and more of... like.
0: How do we get them to be able to deal with the life stuff down the road? Okay. Um, No, so I I wanted to know the transference of coaching into perhaps a a more direct ministry setting. So, for example, all of you have gotten new teams and have gotten new players. Um, So, first question would be, what do you do to build relationships with those kids you that are new or when you find yourself having to lead maybe perhaps an entirely new team? What are the kind of things you do to build relationships,
1: Tom? For me, we've, I've been coaching you know, our school team. Yeah. And so they kind of all know each other from, from the entire school year. But, you know, for, for me to build a team, I mean, it's, you kind of just do that during practice. And it's just a combination of drills where we're working hard. And we're sweating and we're running and we're competing and then following that up with something that's maybe a little lighter a little bit more fun something a little bit before water breaks so they can kind of let their personalities just be who they are for that you know five ten minutes and then water break and then come back into to you know you know kind of focus on so when you're with these younger kids their attention spans are all different so you're kind of you know just playing with how you're going to run the practice to be able to get the most out of everybody and have a balance of a little bit of fun because in baseball has to be fun and the whole we're going to get better type drills and we're going to you know go at this thing and we're going to compete and we're going to try to you know sure you know get after it and and between that kind of you know balancing back and forth you can kind of see the kids just enjoying their time on the court and that's you know, one of the most important things is when they're enjoying their time on the court, they're gonna give you the effort that, you know, I want from them, and they're gonna learn. Sure. So I, I coach kids that are all coming from different schools and different
3: locations, so I don't have the benefit of built-in community. Um, so there's a lot of data looking at girls and boys and why they play sports and what they value first. So, you know, the data suggests that boys like competition first, and they, they choose winning and competition are very, very high on their list where girls tend to pick community and fun and love of the game. So I think the way that you approach them has to be different. Um, so I have a daughter and a son, and I, I can actually see that between the two of them. But from the boys' side and the girls' side, I think that for me, the team building portion is so important to build community for new players because if they don't feel welcome and they don't know how to have fun with each other, they sit on the outside. So I'm a big fan of like pool parties or going to a park or going to the beach and playing sand soccer and getting them away from the environment of the game and letting them see like, hey, how do they act- interact as kids and realize like you guys all like the same things. And once they kind of connect on a level that's not the sport itself, they seem to embrace each other better. Um, so that tends to be how I like to introduce new players.
2: Um, so the majority of the girls that I coach are 7th and 8th and for me, it's more about being like intentional with them and showing them like I care about who they are as a person and what's going on in their life. So as soon as our teams are formed, um, we just always take a little bit at the beginning of a practice to just talk about things and how things are going, if anybody's got anything going on. And for me, it's crucial if someone's like, Hey, you know, I got this going on. Or I got a really big test tomorrow. I'm kind of stressed about it. It's the follow up the next week saying, Hey, how'd that test go? Or, hey, how did this go? Or, hey, yeah, I got a soccer tournament this weekend. It's going to be so fun. It's the follow-up and say, hey, how did that soccer tournament go? Like, they know you've listened. They know you paid attention and that you care about what's going on. And then that's how I feel like I can effectively start forming that, like, trust, that relationship of, like, coach to player, mentor.
0: Sure, sure. So what I'm hearing is, is it's kind of all three of you kind of said something a little different. You know, with Tom, it was... Hey, the, uh, the environment of, of building the team together kind of creates that relationship naturally In and Marcus you're kind of saying well I want to I want to have an opportunity to interact with them out, off the field or, or off the court and, and Lacey you're saying well I'm I'm going to ask them a question you know I'm going to learn something about them and then perhaps follow up on that later and all of those are just a little bit of a different strategy but I can see how each one of them is really kind of a important part of building relationships and I think that's a a skill perhaps we, we need a little bit more of when it comes to churches is is all three of those things. It's like we've got to have these experiences together. Of course, we get together on Sunday, but we also have to have those experiences away from church. And then, of course, we've got to ask each other questions and actually care about what's going on in each other's lives. Um, the next question I would ask is, so I, I spent several years as a youth pastor, In one of the things that it comes in ministry is sometimes you get a person in a group who perhaps doesn't quite fit in. Uh, perhaps is not um, uh, as skilled as the rest of the players or perhaps uh, socially a little awkward um, or perhaps you just know as quickly as a coach they're probably not going to get better Um, and and that's just the way it is Uh, so how do you deal with that? Let's start with you Lacey. How do you deal with those individual relationships where perhaps it's going to be a little bit harder to to make them a part of the group?
2: Um, That's a great question and sometimes Like mentally, it can be a little frustrating um, at times because you want them to get better, you want them to improve, but you can see like this is kind of their their peak. Like they're not gonna get better. Um, But we don't make like kind of like Tom said, we don't make cuts um, in our program. So we make three different levels. We kind of make a top tier, a middle tier, and a lower tier. So when they are playing games at the end of all this, they're playing similar um, skill levels. So it's not like the top team is totally dominating the you know the lower teams. That they actually have fun um and play competitiveness um but i also take it upon like the girls who are the leaders on the team to um kind of take some of those who aren't as good under their wing a little bit and um kind of help them learn how to be kind of in that mental role as well kind of take them alongside them and be like you're one of the better players on the team but can you not constantly pick?" Your partner who's the better player on the team once in a while i want the two of you who are my strongest people on the team to sometimes pick her as your partner like let her feel like you know um, best player on the team is asking me to be a partner like that's huge for girls some of that like relational emotional stuff is key um and so i don't want to be like i'm gonna tell you to be her partner because it looks like oh coach did that i'll pull them aside and say you know what this practice i need you to I need you two to split up, and I need you to ask them to be your partner for passing or parsing for setting or hitting or whatever it is, um, to try to get them to feel like they're not always the last person on the team chosen.
0: Sure.
3: So you mentioned kind of two different people in my mind of who you identified as who stands out, and sometimes they're the same person, but one of them is the player that is not as talented, maybe doesn't have the same gifts that other kids have, and there's some kids that just don't fit with the group and those are two to me those are often different players and sometimes they're the same for the player that's just isn't as gifted um i find them that's the hardest scenario because a lot of times they're there because they bring the most joy and they're like the, they, they're the heart of the team but there's also a component of it there is trials nurse cuts of where, where where i coach and so those are hard decisions, and how do you love along the way and put them in a place that you can, um, they can be set up for success down the road? And I have yet to figure out that answer of how to help those kids other than to walk with them and make sure that they're valued and appreciated. Okay. Um, and making sure that throughout the entire season that you're trying to get them just to that point that they can continue to, to make the team and they don't get past. For the kid that doesn't fit, it's, it's really hard. And I think I probably identified as that kid for a while growing up is I was younger, playing on an older team, and I had coaches that did the wrong thing, and I've had coaches that do the right thing, and I think that coaches that do the right thing do a lot what Lacey did, was they found older players, they found leaders on the team, and asked them to really lead, because I think the coach reaching out is great, but you kind of feel like you're being babied, where coaches that really mentor leaders to be leaders are really helping those kids that are outside. So I would really validate what Lacey's doing to help those kids kind of come up and feel comfortable in a group.
1: I think for me and my experience, you know, to Marcus's point too about, you know, baby and them, you know, I like to look for small victories or small wins when they do something right. And when their energy and effort is there and you can just see them trying, that's all that we can ask for. And it's really neat when the rest of the team that might be a little bit more skilled can see the energy and the effort that this one individual might be putting forth. And maybe they're not as skilled in their movements or they're drilling the ball, they're passing. But when they're hustling and they're out there and the rest of the team can kind of get behind their energy and effort, it brings the rest of the group up so I can see A lot of positives out of that Now, the one kid that might be out of place and not the effort might not be there because I've I've dealt with that too that's a little bit you know more challenging and that's more of me encouraging them on the side or me trying to get to the root of you know why we're not trying or you know what's going on a lot of times it could just be insecurity of I don't know what to do and then it's my point to put them in positions for success so that they can kind of you know be where they need to be at the right time and maybe hit that one box out to be able to get that one rebound in the drill and then when they start getting some of those little things and you can kind of start seeing them smile a little bit out there you know then I know we're kind of on a positive track you know for, for them for, for for the growth or just to feel comfortable out there because once they're comfortable on the core, you know, then they can have a little excitement out of the game, and maybe it's not their thing. Maybe they're not going to try out for the 8th grade or the ninth grade team, but for them to be a part of the team and to have that effort and have everybody else kind of rally behind them, those are kind of the things that I I'd like to try to do or like to see in those individuals.
0: I love these answers, and one of the big reasons why is, um, I so I got put on the basketball team in 5th grade almost primarily because I was almost 6 foot by that point. Uh, so I was, I was the biggest kid in my grade school. And so like, well, we're going to put the big kid in, and I didn't care. Like I did not care about basketball. I did not care to play. Um, and I had a hard time, or I shouldn't say a hard time. I made a decision not to show up for some practices. And then I would show up for the games. And sometimes instead of sitting on the bench, I would go up into the stands and sit with my friends and talk with them in the middle of the game. Um, and I look back and the reason I love your answers is because that coach essentially decided I didn't exist. Like And I get the temptation now as an adult. I can understand why he kind of made that decision. Like I, he didn't play me very often when I would cooperate or he, I didn't get to practice very much with the, the first team when I did show up for practice. Um, essentially never called me out, never called me, never told me to get my act together, just basically decided I didn't exist. And unfortunately, over my 15 to 20 years in ministry, I've seen a lot of people respond the exact same way to that kid who doesn't quite fit in. Uh, whether it's in, in a Sunday school class where they're dealing with seven, eight, nine-year-olds or youth group, when you've got that kid who just socially is struggling to fit in, and that the easy answer is basically we're just going to let that kid sit in that corner and I'm going to interact with the kids that are a lot easier to, to interact with. And kind of all of you just identified, no, that's, we, we can't let that happen, particularly in a team atmosphere. Um And so, Uh, I I think those are things that are really transferable to somebody who's like, you know what, Uh, I run a ministry, see these coaches, they have a hard time with those kind of players, too, and and have tried to develop strategies, maybe I need to make more of an effort with that kid who, who struggles, Uh, because I don't think any Sunday school teacher has not had the experience of having that one kid in their class, uh, that is just difficult to deal with. Um, In just instead of ignoring them or perhaps just saying, "Okay, I'm just going to tolerate their activity, trying to find a way to connect, as one of you talked about, or trying to find a way to uh, encourage them or or get that small win uh, in some way or another. So I think those are great answers. Uh, So one of you, I think it might have been you, Marcus, uh, you were telling me weeks ago you were coaching a soccer game and there was an obvious foul Uh, player that uh, that was injured. Uh, as a player that caused the injury should have gotten a red card what caught my attention was you were talking about this and you just kind of admitted that you had a moment where you really wanted to get mad you really wanted to talk to that ref in a way that perhaps wasn't pleasant Um, and you talked about having that internal conversation I need to calm down I still need to be polite as far as interacting with a referee Um, I guess have all of you had that experience? If like for a moment where it's like I really want to respond this way, but because of my faith or perhaps the Holy Spirit's prompting, I didn't, um, and I found a different way to respond. Start with you, Lacey.
2: Um, in coaching, no. In playing sports, yes. So our our the, the league I coach is very not, non-competitive in the sense that. The referees are high school volleyball players, and we don't keep a record at the end. And, you know, we just play each other on Saturdays for our own little tournament. At the very end, we have our own tournament with all eight teams. Um, and there is a winner at the end, and they get a medal, but it's not like anything super crazy competitive. So, I know, I'm not going to get mad at a high school ref if she called the ball out and it was in or anything like that. But as a player, I definitely have had those moments. Oh,
0: sure.
3: So, that was me. Um <laughs> The player happened to be my son that was injured, which puts a different um, direction on it, I guess. And even as I reflect back, I probably still could have been better. Even though I held in a lot of emotion, I probably could be better. And I would say, I knowing me and knowing my personality, like, I'm super competitive. And I like fairness. And I'm big on fairness. And so it's something that I have to remind myself and i'm lucky that i have a bride that wants to remind me as well that i need to have patience but i think it's something as coaches especially as kids get more and competitive that we have to remind ourselves too that a lot of these referees are kids and they're players and other teams and you know they're trying to be part of the they're part of the game and but yet it's something that i i may have done all right on once it's something i gotta continue to work on sure. um, and i think i I'd have to acknowledge that that there's there's good days and there's days that I say I probably could have been better. Sure, sure. I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. No, there. no, you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom.
1: Yeah, there's always need for improvement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, i I don't like to I don't like to lose, and which is part of the game. But it's good not to want to lose. I mean, that's why we're out there, of course. But you know. When there's a close game and all of our games seem to be close and it's tight at the end and you can see your kids just fighting for every loose ball and fighting for every possession and, and, and fighting hard for that win and the whistle blows, it, it you do have to um, you know, realize that obviously it's still just a game and you need to set yourself aside from that initial, but that's a terrible call. And there's been times when I've said that's a terrible call or been frustrated or you know, been times where you're trying to, you know, talk to the ref, you know, in a nice way, but, you know, so you can get that next call, <laughs> sure. you know? Um, so there's all that on the sidelines, but, you know, the times where, you know, I might have been or come across a little bit too upset, there's always time for after the game to talk to the kids and, you know, apologize for that behavior and talk about the refs. Like what Lacey was saying is that they're a part of the game and mistakes get made by the refs, the mistakes get made by the players, mistakes get made all over the place. And then to just, you know, be able to talk about that and then, you know, real life and how, you know, even our, you know, our Christian faith and the mistakes or just in, in as, as they grow and in, in the jobs and, and working for other people and just, you know, dealing with, you know, officials or bosses, I mean, mistakes get made and to be able to handle that in sixth grade or in seventh grade or in in eighth grade and be able to practice that now through sports, they're going to be much better at equipping themselves as they grow up and they move on and they face those real situations where things might matter more than just the scoreboard at the end of the day. Sure. Sure. Um, now I'm assuming all of you have had opportunities to
0: interact with parents. Um, and then perhaps maybe sometimes officials and maybe fans. Um, And so maybe your sphere of influence is a little bit bigger than just the players. Uh, Have you found that to be true, Marcus? Yes. Um, So
3: I've been blessed to be part of teams and coach teams with great families and families that are challenging. Not that they're not great, just more challenging. Um, But I've also got to walk along families and seeing people come to Christ because they've been in an environment where their kids were there and they got to see their kids being among other kids that were in Christian homes. And so, you know, it's been, it's, it's probably my favorite part is to get to know the families because those are also influences into the kids that I care about. And now in my life, those are influences into my own kids. And so being part of them and get to know building that network, um, I think it's a really fun part, but I think it can be really challenging. And as a parent coach, it can also be tough because you end up on both sides at times where you want to be balanced, but you also want to build friendship. And in today's society, um, sometimes we put sport above friendship. And so I think that's a, a balance that we struggle with if you're going to be a parent coach.
1: Tom? Yeah, I've been blessed with great parents where for me, it's more Just maintaining those relationships, open communication, inviting anybody if you wanna come and watch practice, if you wanna come and help practice, if you wanna, you know, if you have any, you know, questions, comments, or why did we do you know, who did we have in the lineup at the end of the game here or there, you know, talk to me, email me, give me a call. If you see something that you don't like about how I'm coaching or how I'm interacting, please come and talk to me because, you know, it's their input is very valuable, and, you know, they they at least know that I care for their kids, and we want them to grow as men and as basketball players. And if they have some outside help or, or, or some, um, some wisdom, a lot of my kids' parents also do coach sports, so I've actually, you know, talked to them about, you know, how do you do this with them in soccer, or how can I get more effort out of them? So, I mean, it's just you know, talking and, and building relationships that way. And, you know, anything that they can do or any advice so that I can be a better coach, I'm all for it because, you know, I'm, the bottom line, I am a parent coach and I am a volunteer. And, you know, I do know the game, but 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 it's it's just nice to have them as, as more of an aid for me.
2: Um, again, I'm in a unique situation with the program we coach and our focus is, um, not winning um, because it's not like it's this club team and we're trying to compete with other clubs. Like We just play within each other. And when we started this program, we probably had four schools represented. Um, and they were all like Hudsonville Christian, Jenison Christian, more of the local Christian schools. And this last year, we had 13 schools represented. So we're getting a lot more public school kids wanting to come into the program, which is great because I don't we don't know if some of these public school kids are, you know, are Christians. But we make it very clear with the program that this is a faith-based program and we will be talking about christ and we will be incorporating that um so this is a program that parents get behind it's not like the games parents are yelling and the fans are you know fans are yelling because it's just more there to improve your volleyball skills and to for you know continue to form relationship with christ so for us it's just it's a completely different atmosphere than, you know, the sports that my kids are playing right now. It's sure. not, I mean, it's competitive, but not in that sense. Like, girls want to win the game that they're playing at the end of the day. We make our circle with both teams, and we pray at the end of the game. And so it's just a different atmosphere, um, sure. but one that parents can't really get upset about. I mean, every girl plays. It's not like, you know, we have girls that don't play the whole game. Like, it's not equal playing time, but every girl plays every game. And so, yeah, it's a little bit different, but still a very positive experience so
0: sure sure now um I don't we don't need to talk about specifics but a negative experience in coaching that perhaps causes you to go home and go maybe i don't want to do this again or perhaps uh, you go home and think you know that was that was hard to hear uh or hard to experience uh how do you process those those negative experiences and maybe the role of your faith plays in helping you walk through those negative experiences tom
1: Yeah, it takes, you know, coaching and and, and being around a lot of individuals, it, it, it does take a lot of energy and effort and to always maintain, you know, positivity amongst when the kids are there and there's days where they're not trying or working or goofing off. It's It's challenging. It can zap your energy. I mean, you you spoke earlier with Sunday school teachers or youth, you know, you know, pastors or youth group leaders dealing with, you know, kids that are, you know, difficult or challenging, and being able to, still try to keep them on track and still keep them a part of the group, when inside you're just, wore out or frustrated or angry and holding all that in. It, it, there are times where you. Get out of that gym and you're like, I don't wanna go back tomorrow or the next day or get ready for practice. But, you know, you do because that's that's just, you know, part of being a coach is some of that resilience and to come back and try to figure out a different method or a different way to to motivate the the players. Um, you know, that's what kind of keeps you back. So yeah, just like in everything. There's there's things that are terrible, things that upset you, or a bad loss, or a bad play, or you work on a drill all or a play not a bounce play you work on it for a half hour and then the first time you call it in the game it's you know nobody does anything right (laughs) you're just like oh my goodness where do I go from here what am I doing um but yeah so that I mean there are definitely a lot of challenges but at the end of the day um you know that's you know we love the game so much that you just keep coming back and just say hey we're gonna get better we're gonna get this down I'm gonna reevaluate you know, how I'm doing a practice or a drill and try to get better the next day.
3: Yeah, there's days I've wanted to walk away and maybe days I have walked away. Um, So I I would say for me, one is, um, you know, the biggest one for me is as a parent coach on a travel team or or where people are paying to be there. Um, So they're tried out, but they also have expectations. And um, they have high expectations of their kids and what the output should be. Um, that can be challenging to manage both the reality versus what needs to be done and parents not necessarily liking to see that their kid might get criticized or their kid might have to get benched for a little while and um, the this, this social dynamics of that can be challenging and I would say mostly challenging because my own kids are part of that both as the culprits and as the ones that are seeing their friends, and suddenly so they get alienated. Sure. And those are the times that I feel like maybe I need to step away so that they don't feel like they've become the alienated kid because their dad was the heavy. Sure. Um, but I'm still doing it, so I guess I haven't been chased away enough yet. Sure.
2: For me, I really haven't had a negative experience yet with our program. For I mean, like I said, it's not super competitive. Parents don't get upset about, you know, wins, losses, or you know, playing time, really, I think a lot of parents have pretty appropriate expectations of my kid's not the best player on the team, and they're not going to be playing every single game all the way around. Um, They're just happy that their daughter is playing and included on a team and not cut, because chances are this is their daughter's last chance to play. Um, Come freshman year, they're going to get cut. So this is their daughter's last chance to play a sport that they really enjoy. Um, So the parents don't really have a lot of negative things to say i think in fact this last season our coach or head coach who puts the program on said she got nothing but like positive positive you know responses the whole season like there wasn't really one negative email negative thing that she got from any parents so that makes it easy coaching wise when parents are behind you know what you're doing
0: sure sure so. now um i know i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit with this but um, all of you are part of uh, the church here, where I'm at, and a pastor where I'm at. Um, so, how could uh, a pastor or perhaps a, a local church support you in what you do, uh, Marcus? How could the local church?
3: You know, so I I'm going to use last night. So last night, fellowship had family fun night, and it was great for the community, but. We have a lot of these sports clubs around where we do have coaches that are coaching like Lacey is in a program or we have Tom who is doing a Jenison Christian basketball team or we have the Ranger soccer club where these kids are all coming from, you know, different walks of life. And do we extend it to extend those kids in here? In a different way than just VBS? Is it a sports night? Is there a way that we could try to pull these coaches in that maybe aren't even Christians, but saying, hey, we'd love to get all your kids together and like have an athlete's night or something? And I'm totally going off the cuff. So anything I say the that we don't do is totally <laughs> fine. But if I think of ways that we could support coaches, I think it's probably supporting players, in supporting community, in bringing Christ to community there, um, and using our facility to continue to allow that to happen. Sure.
0: Is there one of you want to speak in?
2: You know, that was a question that I read and I thought about and I thought about and I was like, "Oh, this is a really good question and I don't know if I know how to give it a good answer. Okay. And that does not help you at all. But I'm like, <laughs> that is a tough question.
1: Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. And I think for me, aside from Marcus's idea, I think a, a lot of good coaches that I've had in my life, have been just good Christian leaders of men, and I think just continue to have discipleship opportunities here for for you know men and women, and you know what it means to to lead people to do what you want them to do, whether sure. it's basketball or in faith or in life. I think some of those characteristics carry you over. In sports coaching, sure. and dealing with you know your own personal you know attitude or, or anger. I mean, aside from you know Christ, I could be Bobby Knight out there, you know, sure. getting, getting upset. But 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 it's 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 that sort of like sense of right and wrong as far as how to be a coach on the sidelines is what keeps you more in check. And, and just by being a better leader of men here at Fellowship, would then allow me to be a better coach at Genesis Christian. Sure, sure.
0: That's great great answer. Uh, so, uh, to end, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So, first of all, question one, how do you pray for, what are you primarily praying for when it comes to your players? And then, number two, how can people pray for you? And I'll start with Lacey.
2: So, I think one of the biggest things that I um, pray for my volleyball girls is that they would Um, just mostly be a reflection of Christ in what they do so their actions with their teammates um, their actions amongst each other with coaches and that they realize the importance of being a Christian and what that carries um, in their day to day life but also on the court Um, and I also pray that they become strong enough to be willing to pray um, as a team and they're willing to volunteer to pray as we end the night with their teammates Um, I know a lot of them get really shy about being open with prayer and get nervous and um, I just want them to realize like there's not a better place to be open and be willing to pray than with other students of the faith and there's other kids there that we don't know for sure are Christians. Um, On our team we have public school kids that are there as well and I really just want these girls to know that um, what they do matters, what they say matters and how they act matters and I want them to realize that they are set apart because they have um, the Christian faith behind them and I want them to know that as an example of Christ, um, they should be reflecting that in the team.
0: Sure, Marcus. So
3: praying for players now for me comes a lot to how can I connect with them? And keeping like wanting them to stay safe, wanting them to keep their, you know, to protect their hearts, protect who they are, and how do I find ways to connect with them? So it's a little bit of me praying for myself of how I can influence and how I can connect with them, so it's not like it's a self serving prayer. I think it's a prayer of just how do I create relation and connectivity.
0: Okay.
3: Um, and I think probably for me, of you know, what could someone pray pray for is that those connections happen. That you know, if there's five kids on the team right now that have called, you know, have identified Christ as their savior, that. They see that through me, and that other kids want to say, "I'd like to learn a little bit more," or "I'd like to like to be like that." And if that happened, that would be a complete success for an entire season.
1: First, it starts with just individual prayer requests, but even more than that, sports play such a huge part in schools, in high schools. I mean, everybody comes and watches the football you know, games and and, and the amount of people that come out for basketball or, you know, marching band and band. You know, all those students are put on a stage to perform and, you know, off the field. A lot of the other students do look up to those people because they see them on the court. And whether it's the younger generation watching the varsity team or it's just their peers. So a lot of prayer or a lot of focus for me is to instill, you know, leadership in those players to just let them be the the glue maybe per se that that unifies the school because there might be someone that might be on the you know the chess club or might be on a different club and, 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 and they're coming to watch the basketball game. So it's important for them to be able to outside the court, you know, make relationships with, you know, everybody and you know, a good, healthy school with a bunch of leaders and athletic can really unify a school and bring people together. And then that, and, and, and so that's kind of a focus or what, I, what I've what i seen in my experience going up through high school and playing even at the, at the college level a little bit, just how important those athletes are to the school and what they can do if they can start young and develop a, a good faith and relationship and learn some leadership skills. And then by doing that, um, you know, I can
0: continue to grow. Uh, Yeah. I think that again, I think that's great that you all kind of gave a little bit of a different answer, you know, praying specifically prayer requests, you know, praying for connections, relationships to happen. And Tom talking about praying for them to, to develop into leaders because of the impact that they could have if they turn into those kind of leaders, uh, in a school environment. And, And I think those are all great answers. So I want to thank you guys for coming in for the conversation. Um, I want to let people know that uh, there's going to be an opportunity for an in-person gathering. Um, And again, to remind you of the worksheet that will come along with this episode. Uh, So I want to hope you can join us for worship this Sunday. I'm Pastor Tim Leisinger,
2: and this is the FRC Digital Network.